Um, as I mentioned, the Cruz family is, is moving. I moved uh, once as a kid. I, uh, I was born uh, in, in Portland, lived there until I think I was nine, and then uh, uh, found out that we were moving to this land I'd never heard of called Vancouver. And I, I knew nothing of Vancouver. My neighbor, Colin, um, he was really excited for me. He informed me that the fireworks in Vancouver were way better than what was allowed in Portland. Um, looking back, he was kind of a pyromaniac. Um, but he was right. They were better. Um, but I, I had no idea what, what we were getting into. We, we moved uh, Halloween day of uh, third grade for me. And uh, I was pretty nervous about it. But uh, it, uh, it was awesome. First time I saw the house. Like my, my, I have a brother who's four years younger. And we just ran all over this yard that you know, to us just seemed so huge. And we didn't hear like police sirens all over the place, and it was it was great. Um, it's totally great. Well, well, Israel, um, God's uh, God's taken them. He's freed them from from Egypt, right? He's freed them to to be uh, to be God's people, um, and, and they're they're moving to to a new land. Let's uh, we're gonna read um, the whole passage. Uh, this is Exodus twenty three verses twenty through thirty three. Says, behold. I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, I will blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take, I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you, and will throw into confusion all the peoples against whom, shall, uh, whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased And possess the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So so God's, God's freed them from slavery with the Egyptians, and he's promising them he's going to, he's going to be with them. And he, he, he requires of them obedience. He says, if you obey, you, you will be blessed. Like, I'm, I'm going to do these things for you. But he wants, he wants their obedience. He wants a, a singular devotion of, of, their, of their worship. So verse uh, Verses 20 and 21. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. 
for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. So God was sending this angel to be with them. And as Gary and I discussed this, and as I read several commentaries, it seems pretty likely that this angel is Christ. We don't know for certain, but there's some clues that that would help us to think that. So he says that God's name is, is in him, in this angel. He also, um, later we find out that he has, he has the power to forgive or, or not forgive. He says he will not forgive um, if you rebel. And, and, and God says you need to obey this, this angel. And if you obey, there will be blessings. So this angel's going ahead of them. And he's, he's guarding them. He's guarding their way. He's bringing them to the place that, that God has in store for them, the place that God has prepared for them. Um, he, he was their guide uh, to keep them safe, right, to get them safely to this new land. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm not like a fo- uh, foreign traveler. I'm not a world traveler. I've been to Haiti once with a group from here. Um, and then when Lindsay and I adopted uh, from, from China, we adopted Maddie. Uh, we, we went to China, obviously. Um, and we were in Beijing uh, for a couple days before we went and picked up Maddie. And uh, we got to tour uh, a lot of cool things in Beijing. We got to see the Great Wall. We got to see Tiananmen Square, um, uh, Forbidden City. Um, so the guy on the right there, Alan, he was our guide. And um, Alan and I were like bros. Like, I loved this guy. So um, we were in a, 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 I don't know, maybe a group of like 10, 20 people. Um, all, we were all adopting uh, children from China. Um, and we'd meet up with all those people later. But in Beijing, as we were sightseeing, and we were just trying to soak up the culture, learn as much as we could. Um, so we'd go on these tours. Alan would take us around. And, uh, man, I was like a little puppy following Alan. Like, I often ditched my wife <laughs> to be with Alan, right? Not cool, not good. I repent of that. Uh, but we had friends by that point. Lindsay was fine with it. Because I was just asking this guy, like, a thousand questions. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know, like, what China's problem was with Google, like, why I couldn't access Google. I want to know what really went down at Tiananmen Square. Just, I asked him about squatty potties, everything. Like, every sign, I'm like, why does it say that? And he, I probably drove him crazy. Like, I, I felt like he was my bro. I probably wasn't his bro. Um, <laughs> But, uh, oh, and we had this, this basketball connection. I don't know if you can tell, but he's got this shirt, and it's, uh, it's a panda bear wearing a Michael Jordan jersey, which I just thought was awesome. Um, so anyway, we, we talked about basketball and um, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, but Alan was super helpful. And uh, so uh, the traffic in Beijing was nuts, right? Like, I think it was, I think there were like 24 million people in Beijing. Okay, so just imagine the cars, like it was absolutely crazy. And there were times that we had to cross a street and cars are just, like I don't understand, it doesn't appear, there aren't rules. They don't look like there are rules. Like they're driving the right direction, right? So it wasn't like, like Mexico where anybody's driving anywhere. But they're driving the right direction, but it's like six lanes, you gotta cross one way, another six the other way. And we just had to trust in Alan because we're all standing there and then he would say, now, and you're like, no way, man. But you did it. And Alan knew what he was talking about. None of us got hit by a car or, or a scooter or a bike or, or anything. Um, we only, it was amazing. We only saw one wreck there. It blew my mind. But, but anyway, we, we, had, we had this guide. And, and I, um, I wouldn't have gone to all the places that, that I went to without a guide. Like, I'm just not, not that adventurous. Uh, I, I wouldn't have known what, what I was doing. But, but Alan 
uh, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was, he was such a great guy. We had another guy later in Guangzhou that just didn't even compare to, to Alan. Um, but but God, God says, I, I'm giving you this angel, and he, he's going to guard you. He's going to take you. He, he's, he's going to keep you safe. He's going to take you to this, this promised land, right, this land that, that, that is, is abundant. He, he says that, um, verse 20, it says, he's going to take you to the place that, that I've prepared, right, which, which might remind us of, uh, of what Jesus said in, in John 14, 2 through 3. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, uh, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And we'll, we'll get more to that later. But this angel is going ahead of them. He's guiding them. He was taking them to, to the place that, that God had prepared for them. He was going to lead them safely, right, through there. He, even though he was going to take them to some places that, that, that were scary, right, really, really scary. Uh, they, they would see nations that terrified them. But they were supposed to listen to him. They were supposed to be obedient to, to this angel. Well, when, when life is, is going well, it's pretty easy to trust that, that God is with you, right? Like, I don't really struggle in, in trusting um, that, that God's with me and that he is trustworthy. But it's, it's, when, uh, it's when life gets chaotic, when, when there doesn't seem to be hope, when, when circumstances are bleak, that, um, that it becomes a lot easier to doubt. Is God really there? Is God really here with me in this moment? Or, or maybe, d- does God even know what he's doing right now? And there are times in life that, um, that, that even just feel like, like, like a total waste, like there's no way that God knows what he's doing at all. And, and inside, we, we might even think, God, if you would have just done it this way, like it would have been so much better. Like this, this would have been so, so good. But, but none of that is true. Right? God promises his people that he, he's with them. When Christ has gone before you, guiding you step by step, telling you what to do, how to obey, he's faithful to us, right? He's so faithful, even though we, I, tend to be impatient, tend to be not grateful, tend to be unfaithful. He, he is not. He's faithfully at work doing what he has promised Verse 21, Israel's told, you need, to, you need to listen. You need to pay careful, careful attention. Right? This is really important. God tells Israel, pay careful attention. Listen to him and, and, and obey. Israel, you have to listen to his voice. You need to listen carefully, obey him, do what he says. And we have to pay careful attention to God. We need to know what, what, what God says. And what he says is, is good. He tells us what's good. He tells us what to stay away from. He tells us how to follow him. But we have to listen, right, to pay attention. I don't know how many times my wife has asked me to go get something at the store. And, and, and in the moment, I think I'm listening, right? It, later, I find out I was like halfway listening at best. So I go to the store, totally confident in what Lindsay's asked me to grab. She wants me to get whipped cream, right? I'm stoked. Okay, whipped cream is good on so many different things, right? If I have green Tabasco and whipped cream, most foods are covered. So I go, and I get the whipped cream, and I walk in the door holding a can of whipped cream, and she looks at me like, what are you doing? Like, I got whipped cream. I want a whipping cream, Greg. Whipping cream. I've done this multiple times. Um, now, when I'm smart, I break out the cell phone, but, but man, we have to listen, right, in, in order to do what God tells us. We have to pay careful attention. So, so how do we listen, 
How do we listen to God? I think there are two, two ways. One is, is, is through prayer, right? And my guess is that um, a lot of times, a lot of us don't do a good job of, of listening to God in prayer. We, we blurt out our prayer requests, but we really don't take the time, I don't take the time often to, to listen to God through prayer. Um, and, and God is so good it, it, when we slow down, when, when we're actually present with him, um, to put stuff on our hearts, right? Um, like recently, uh, it was through prayer that I realized, man, there's something between me and someone else. I got it. I got it. I got to check into this. Like, I've got to make this right. right? And it, was, it, was, it was through time, just praying, letting, letting God stir my heart, search me. Um, I often pray, search me, oh God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts. Right, reveal to me, like, what's, what's wrong, what's off. So that's one way. The primary way, primary way sorry, we listen to God is through his word. Right, God's given us his word, and it is, it is such a gift that, that we have this. Right? Like, we do not have to be confused about what God wants us to do. Like, he's, he's told us a whole lot of things here. Um, Psalm 119, I, I don't know if you know Psalm 119 or when the last time you were in Psalm 119. Uh, was, but Psalm 119 is the really, really long one, right? Um, but, but Psalm 119 clearly has a high view of Scripture. I, I love how the psalmist talks about God's Word. It makes it very clear how important God's Word is to God's people. Okay, so, so he says things like, like it lights our path. Tells us that, that it's worthy not just of reading it, but of meditating on it, but in sitting in, in God's word. It says that we can delight in it. The psalmist says he longs to know God's word, that, that we can guard ourselves according to God's word, that we're to store God's word in our heart. It helps us fix our eyes on the ways of God. Verse 20, the, the psalmist says, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. So, so what is your relationship with Scripture? Right? What, what's your view of the Bible? Like, do, do, you, do you believe that it's God's Word? Do you, do you have a high view of Scripture? Do you believe that it's actually relevant today? Does it intimidate you? Do, you? do you feel guilty that you don't read it enough? Do you not know where to start? I encourage you, get in the Bible. Read the Bible. Um, this year, we're, uh, we're hoping that, that most of us, if not all of us as a church, will, will try, attempt, to read the whole Bible this year. And, and there's, a, there's a certain Bible app, a Bible reading plan that, that we're going to push on you pretty hard the next few weeks. Uh, it's by uh, the Bible Project. Uh, they've got a slick app on the phone. It's, like, I've had several different Bible apps. It is by far the best app. Um, one of the things I love is they, they have these videos. Um, when you get to a new book of the Bible, they have a video that, that helps you understand some of the themes that are going on, which, which is really, really helpful, you know, in some of these books that maybe you don't venture into as much, but even the books that, that I feel like I've read a lot uh, as I've watched these videos, they, they've been really, really helpful. So if you read like about 15 minutes a day, you'll read through the whole Bible this next year. So I, consider that. Please, like think about doing it. Um, 
Actually, don't think about doing it. Just do it. <laughs> like, let's just let's do this together. But, but I'm hoping that, that lots of people will do this, and then that, that, that we'll do it. Maybe do it as a family. Maybe do it as, as a, your community group, or, or maybe uh, just a group of friends. I don't care, but, but let's get together. Let's read God's Word. Um, there, there even, I think there's discussion questions that, that we'll be able to provide for you for that. So anyway, that, that was my little pitch there. But um, and we need to, in order to listen to God, we need His Word. Right? We need to be sure that we are grounded in God's word. Last week, Gary, uh, Pastor Gary spoke about the pitfalls in, in mixing the world's myths or, or philosophies of a culture with, with following God. And we have to be discerning. Like as Christ followers, we, we absolutely have to be discerning. Because um, every day we're faced with ideas and philosophies from our culture that, that, that sound true or, or even are, are mixed with, with some truth. Um, which, which brings us back to, to the garden and the serpent, right? And the, the way he twisted the words of God to sound really, really appealing, to, to sound like they're really close to what God had said. So it's, it's really important that we do know what God's word says, that, that we, we know really well what, what God has told us, what he's commanded of us. Um, Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elements or the elemental spirit, spirits of the world, not according to Christ. So we're going to hear things that, that, that it tickles our ears, like we like it in our gut. It sounds like that's good. Um, but what actually matters is, is knowing what God has laid out in Scripture. Right? We have to know God's Word. Um, the world will continue to tell us to, to focus more and more on ourselves. And on and, and, and some level, maybe that sounds good. But when we read the word, we realize, like, no, we, we need to focus on Christ. Like, that's what we need to do. We actually need to spend less time thinking about ourselves and, and more time thinking about Christ. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom, of whom shall I be afraid? John the Baptist, he said, he, speaking of Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. So all that to say, um, God's telling Israel, pay careful attention to this angel. Do not rebel. He will not forgive your rebellion. This is a big, big deal. Verse 22 it says, but if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. So if you obey, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. Why in the world would they need that? They're going to, into a land that it, that's inhabited, right, by other nations. Not just one, but multiple nations. Um, and nations that, that later um, Israel is going to send out like a scouting team. And they, they're going to be intimidated by how, how big these people are, how vast they are. They're, they're going to be convinced that if they go up against them, they will be defeated. Um, so, so they need God to be an enemy of their enemies. Verse 23, when my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, uh, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. So it says that, that God, God's going to take care of business, right? He, he's he's going to blot these people out. Israel has nothing to be afraid of because God will do what he says he will do, right? If they obey, God's going to keep his promises, and it's going to be decisive. 
But when we hear that, that God's going to wipe out a people, when you read that in the Bible, um, that, that might make you feel uneasy. Like we don't, there's something that doesn't sound right about God just wiping, wiping out a, a people. And, 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 and is, is that what, what's being said here? Um, again, as Gary, as, I, as Gary and I talked about it, as we looked at what, what the words mean, like it, it looks like that's what it means, that, that he's going to wipe, wipe them out. Um, maybe maybe there would be some survivors, but, but why does God do this? Um, I'm sure you know this. Um, as you live life, you, you realize you, you, you'll see a situation, you think you've got a handle on it, and then you come to find out more of the story, right? There's, there's always more to the story than, than, than we know. And when we see something in the Bible, we need to realize that the same thing is true there. There's, there's more to the story. And sometimes, sometimes other parts of Scripture fill us in on, on what the rest of that story is. Sometimes we don't get to know what the rest of that story is. Um, but when God, when God does this to a people, he, he's, he's bringing judgment on them. And we've, we've been talking for weeks and weeks that, that God is is just. So when, when God brings judgment, we, we can trust that he is, is just. Verse 24 tells us that they're worshiping the, these other gods. They have these sacred pillars, right, which, which um, it's referring to their, their, their pagan practices. Uh, and the, these practices are, are vile. Um, we know from Scripture that there are um, pagan practices like sex slaves, human sacrifice, even, even child sacrifice. One of the gods um, that, uh, that was worshipped by the Canaanites is Molech. And, uh, and this, this metal statue of Molech would be heated up to this red hot, and, and, and a child would be laid on it, sacrificed on it, burned t- to death, um, which is absolutely terrible. Like, I debated, do I even say that, you know, in, in, to you? But, but this, is, this is some of what these people were doing. And when we hear today, you know, that, that, that um, there are horrible things happening to children, we get angry, right? Like, we demand justice. We want those monsters stopped. Like, even, even in prison, right, you hear about what they do to, to the people that come in that have done stuff to kids. Like, even even those guys don't like it. Right? So, so we, we want this to stop. So when we recognize that these practices um, that these people are doing, the, the, question, uh, the question becomes, God, when are you going to stop them from doing this stuff? Like, when are you going to stop these people from doing these horrible things? When are you going to pre- prevent such evil? And God gave them around these people 450 years to repent. So I encourage you, when, when you come across something like this in Scripture, when we see that God's taking a people out, there's more to the story, right? There's more to the story that, that we don't know. Some of it we get to know through Scripture, and, and a ton we don't. But, but God is just as, as the judge. Verse 24 continued, uh, God carefully warns them, don't bow down to their gods. He says, don't, don't fall for it. Don't, don't serve them. Last week's passage said, don't even mention their names. Don't flirt with their gods. Don't entertain the idea of worshiping their gods. What you need to do is destroy everything that has to do with their gods, everything that has to do with their pagan practices. Leave no trace of their gods. Why? Because it would be destructive for you to mix their practices with worship of the one true God. If you don't, if you don't destroy them, you will be ensnared. And that's how sin is. The, the longer... The longer we let it linger in our midst, the more dangerous the trap becomes. And God knows, he knew what would happen to Israel 
when they didn't obey, when they didn't fully destroy the other nation's gods, that, that it would trap them. Verse 25 says, You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take away, or I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I'll fulfill the number of your days. So 25 and 26, they remind them of what they need to do. They need, they need to serve the Lord. And, and, and when they did, God was going to provide for them. He would take care of Israel. He'd meet, he'd meet their needs. If you serve God, uh, he says to them, if, if they serve God, he's going to bless their sustenance. He's going he's to give them health. Life is going to continue through their offspring. They'll have a, a full life that, that they would expect. God says, obey me and, and I will bless you. God promises, um, the promises that he made, he, he says, if you obey me, I, I'm going to do these things. And the flip side is, uh, don't obey. It's going to be hard. Life is, is, is going to be hard. It sounds, uh, it might sound lame to you that God, that God would do that. It might sound uh, like, like God actually isn't loving. Uh, or it might, might remind you that kid um, grown up, that if, if something didn't go his way in the game, he'd take the ball and go home. Um, but, but that's not the case. This is, even God, when, when, when there's consequences for sin, even that's God's grace. Because how terrible would it, would it be if he continued to bless them as they, as they went down a destructive path? That, there would be nothing loving about that. So even the consequences for Israel... Um, it was God's grace to them. It was a warning to them. And Israel needs that warning over and over again. As we see their story over and over again, they're, they're disobedient. And God lets them learn. Um, it's a built-in reminder to them that, 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 man, you're not following me. And that path leads to destruction. Um, over and over again, Israel deals with, with the results of not following God. Over and over again, it serves as a reminder that they, they need God that following anything but God is not good for them. And ultimately, their history points to they need a Savior. They can't do it. They can't save themselves. All of this is pointing to Jesus, that they needed the one who would be perfectly obedient, that could pay for their sins. Verse 27 says, I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all of your enemies Turn their backs to you. I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivitites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. So if they follow God, he, he's, he's going to go ahead of them. It says he'll, he'll send his terror uh, ahead of, of them. He's going to throw their enemies into confusion. And, and this is something that, that we see um, as, we, as we read Israel's story. There, there's many times where, where they're coming into town, and, and the nation has already heard what, what their God has done. Right? And, and people are, are freaked out. There are times when, when Israel comes and, and God throws the other army into confusion so they end up fighting their self, of themselves. Um, and Israel doesn't have to do the work. So he says that your, your enemies will, will run from you. I don't know exactly what the hornets thing means. Um, I, I don't know. I, that'd be really funny if God sent hornets and that's how he got rid of people. Um, he, he, used, he used other insects and, and other things. But, but the point is that God is going to go ahead of them. He's going to take care of business. Israel, he was involving Israel in it, but it was, it was God. Uh, God was the one that was doing it. Uh, in verse 29, says, I will drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate 
and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. So, so God's even taken into consideration what Israel can handle as, as, as he gives them the land. He knows what's good for them. All right? he, know, he knows the details of, of what they need and what, what they can take. And we can always trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. Right? He's, never, he's never limited we encounter dire circumstances, and maybe if you're like me, you begin to panic, you doubt. But God is not limited by bleak circumstances. He's not limited by what appears to us when there seems to be no hope. Terrible circumstances actually are often when God demonstrates how absolutely incredible and powerful he is. So we can trust that God understands exactly what is needed, exactly what is good. We can trust that he knows more intimately what is needed than we do, and what makes the most sense. Verse 31 says, I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. God says, if you obey, this is what I'm going to set up. This is, this is the land that, where you will dwell. I'm going to hand over the people to you. And God, like I said, was going to be the driving force. He was going to be the one driving out the other nations, even though he was going to use Israel to do it. But Israel's story, as, as, as you know, over and over again, they don't hold up their end of the bargain. God was always faithful, right? In this relationship, God is, is always the faithful one. Israel is the one that broke promises. And God gave them opportunity after opportunity as we read more and more of the story. And they, they, they'll continue to disobey. And he didn't bless their disobedience. He, he let them deal with their, their consequences, right? And, and eventually in their story, he exiles them, right? He, he says to them, like, your sin is worse than the people that I kicked out of the promised land for you. Like, that's, that's how far from me you've gotten. And ultimately, Israel never fully possesses the land. Solomon comes close. Um, but he says, if you, if you trust me, if you follow God alone, then you'll make it. But, but they did not do that. Jesus said to his disciples, as I read earlier in John 14, 2 and 3, that, you know, that he was going ahead to prepare a place. And as God's people, if you put your faith in Jesus, we, we do look forward to a place, the new heavens, the new earth. Um, and, and in some ways, it sounds like the promised land, but, but in so, so many ways, it's, it's so much better. Um, in our passage today, uh, you know, it says, if they obey, there'd be no sickness, and it would be barren. Everyone lived a full number of days, and it, it reminds me a bit of uh, Revelation 21. So I'll read some of this to you. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And it says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to them, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. 
The one who conquers will have this, his, uh, this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Right? All that sounds really good. And then this comes for those who don't trust. It says, but for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. God, God promises his people because of Christ's work, right? Because of Christ's obedience. He, he promises our future. Um, we can't do it, right? We, we can't obey. We're not, we're not capable. We, we, we screw up over and over and over again. It points us to our need for Jesus because our heart is prone to wander, right? We're, we're just like Israel. We're divided. We're so easily divided. Jesus made a way for us. Uh, verse 32. You shall make no covenant with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Right? Don't make a covenant with them. Don't make a covenant with their gods. Don't worship their gods. We're going to talk more about covenants next week. Um, don't, don't even let them live with you because this will lead you to sin. This will be a snare to you is what God's saying. God knows their hearts. He, he knows. He knows their propensity to sin. He knows that they're prone to wander. And that the, presen- the presence of the enemies in, in, in their land uh, continues. It's a constant menace to Israel. Uh, and just like God predicted. And they don't, they, we'll see, they, they, they fail to drive out their enemies. Um, and it results in, in Israel sinning through idolatry. Um, so, so Israel's history proves, proves that God is right, proves it, that he knows. God wants his people to worship him and, and him alone. He wants their devotion, all of it. Right? He, he wants our devotion to only be to him. He isn't okay with us bringing in some other God in the relationship, some fake God, someone else. And it's just like a spouse that, 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 uh, that, that wants the person that they marry to be totally devoted to them, right? Like you imagine the bride standing at the altar, staring into her husband's eyes, right? Friends and, and, and family are there, and, and she expects that, that, that the groom's longing is for her, right? She expects that, that he's not going to daydream of other women, right? She, she expects that, that he's not flirting with, with co-workers. That's what God wants from us, right? That's what he wants from his people. He makes promises that, that he will be all, all, all that he is. He'll be that to us, to love and care for his bride. And he asks that his bride is, is, is devoted to him and him alone, not to worship anything else, not to flirt with fake gods, so what are you flirting with today that's a snare to you? Like what, what sin? What sin are you getting just closer and closer to or, or maybe full on in? Why haven't you destroyed those things that are a snare? Because there's no way that it's worth it. Like, like we get to read about Israel and we get to see it's not worth it. It's, it's never, ever worth it. To close, I, I just want to read several different um, verses uh, uh, about, about obeying Christ. Um, so if it's helpful for you to close your eyes, great. Um, uh, but but just, just try and soak these in. So John fourteen twenty three, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Romans 10, 7. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. For John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Deuteronomy 10. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Matthew 22, 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So how do we, how do we follow Christ? How do we obey Christ? It is through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do that, right? We obey not to earn salvation. We obey because God is so good. God is so worthy of our obedience, of our, of our worship. I'm going to pray. Will the band come up and we'll continue? Um, we'll continue in worship. And part of our worship is uh, is the Lord's Supper, communion. Um, and as the songs are being played, you can come up and, and take the bread, which is represents Christ's body broken for you, and you can dip it in the cup, representing the blood that was shed for you. And this is a meal that that, that God has commanded us to take. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And this is for people that have placed their faith in Christ, right? So if, if you have not trusted Jesus, this is, this is not for you yet. I say yet because I hope that you will trust Jesus, that you will put your faith in him, that you will come to a place recognizing that, that he's the only way to be forgiven from our sin. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word, Lord. God, I thank you. I thank you that we um, have an opportunity to learn from Israel, Lord. I thank you that, um, that you've given us what we need to know through your word, that, that, that you've made a lot of things really clear. I'm not saying there aren't mysteries. There are plenty of mysteries. But what we need to know, you've given to us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to follow you? Would you help us to turn aside from anything, that, any sin, Lord, that, that, that will entangle us. Would you help us to live lives that just want to please you, that just want to please our master? God, we thank you, Christ, that you came, that you lived the, the perfect life that, that we weren't able to live, Lord. You died the death that, that we completely deserve. You rose from the grave, conquering death, and, and bringing us hope, Lord, for all who put their faith in you. You save, Lord, and we thank you for that. Jesus, we want to worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.